Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the Biz Bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hello, everyone. Bienvenidos. Vanessa here. I'm so excited to be with this beautiful witch and creator and healer and um, nurturer of community um, that I've seen throughout time, you know, online and offline uh, doing her work, you know, from a little bit from a distance. And then she reached out to me and she invited me to hold like a, a, a ceremony for her community saged app. And it was such a beautiful community. She held so such beautiful space, gathered with such amazing folks that she brought me back to. And so when I find people that were aligned, right, when I feel that authentic energy of truth of somebody who's walking their talk, I love to bring them on. And so everyone, please welcome Morgan Garza. Hey, Morgan. Hey, y'all. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. Yeah, I just, I was like... We had to restart that one because I was like, no, I want to do it in a way that honors like how I perceived you and the energy that I felt. Uh, but before we get into it, because I know we're going to be able to go into so many things. I do want to read your bio um, because I want people to know more. Morgan Garza is an author, teacher, witch and community leader. She's an embodiment of the divine feminine here to inspire you to become your own guru by stepping out of the darkness of fear and into the light of activated awareness. As CMO and head witch of SAGED, she intimately and intentionally weaves the worlds of spirituality and business. Morgan is also the leader of the Way of the Witch, a seasonal coven, and host of the SAGED Live Ritual Boxes. Her first book, Soul Magic, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Mi Mystics, Macmillan, is available everywhere books are sold. Morgan, there's so much I want to ask you, so much. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> but I want to start with, how did you know you were a witch, or how did you like find your way onto your spiritual path? Like, I think I've always been a witch. When I was little, I was collecting all types of found objects, mostly crystals and rocks, but I also felt this resonant presence in all inanimate objects, which I always thought was kind of weird, but I would feel the things as if they were alive. I would treat, you know, my rocks as if they were my babies or like my stuffed animals or whatever. I just always had this really strong connection to the things that I kept around me, which were always magical and I didn't even realize it then. And, um, I was also very intuitive as a little girl. I was super sensitive, could feel everybody else's energy. So I think it really started young. And then of course you grow up, you go 
out into the world, you go to school, you meet people, you want to fit in, you kind of damper parts of yourself that that might be weird or whatever. At least that's what I did. And it wasn't until my 20s where I was really coming out of my spiritual closet and allowing myself to be this leader, to be this beacon, to be someone that all of my friends came to for advice and really attuning to the moon and understanding my cycles. And and all of this started in my early 20s. And then when I was 22, I survived a terrorist attack in India. And that was really what was like, okay, this is the catalyst that rocket shipped me, blasted me off into really exploring spirituality and eventually unwinding the life that I had wound. I had woven something that was inauthentic. And before, way before even my Saturn return helped me (laughs) finish the pieces there. Um, I was, I was drawn to stop living the way that I was living and to start being more intentional with everything that I was doing and really get into spirituality. And Reiki was kind of the, um, another different catalyst for me because after India, when I came back, I was, I was messed up. I had PTSD. I had survivor's guilt. I had so many things that would keep me up at night, night terrors. Um, and so I was trying everything. I was trying all these different modalities. And it wasn't until I tried Reiki that I woke up feeling the next morning, like, dun, da, da, like bits of myself coming back. And I was like, okay, she didn't even touch me. I didn't even think this was going to work. Like what just happened? And that was really when my full on spiritual exploration and journey started, which took me to where I am now at 37 working in spirituality. And it's now my lifestyle has become my career, which I feel very fortunate to have. Wow. That's intense that you survived something. I'm so glad you're with us. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot. And then when you when you grew where your fam was your family religious around you or I was raised very religious, super Catholic, um, Latina family on the border of Mexico and Texas. So everybody was I mean, when I was little, I knew mass backwards and forwards in Spanish and English, you know, so I just grew up with this. But when I graduated high school and didn't have to go to church on Sundays anymore. I didn't. And then I started um, really realizing how much I didn't align with religion and that construct and the the shame and guilt and fear embedded in Catholicism. Um, and then I had the, I remember, I recall this period of, of emptiness of feeling like I was floating in this void when I left religion before everything in India happened. And I was like, I know there's something, but I wasn't thinking about it much. I was young. I was living in LA. I was going to college. You know, I was having fun. Um, But when hard things happen, I realized that I always went within because I could knew I could trust myself. If I didn't know if there was a God or what was happening out there, I knew I at least had me. Um, And yeah, religion just kind of fucked me up as a kid. You know, you go through all of these different emotions unraveling yourself from that and realizing that, you know, crying after sex with my long-term boyfriend in high school was based on all of the shame around religion. And it's just, it was so deeply ingrained in me that it took a while to 
unravel that, but I'm grateful for, for, you know, the morals and values that it gave me and the community that I had when I was younger with it. But religion now is something that like, you know, I say, Jesus is my homeboy, like as an archetype, like Mary Magdalene. Yes, of course. But I'm not religious in the sense that I pray to a God, but, um, you know, the spiritual, not religious is a big, big thing right now for people who are trying to figure it all out. But I think spirituality is for me more home, um, and more accepting than religion could have ever come close to. Mm, I feel that I feel that. And, you know, I'm with you. Like I remember, when I was dating somebody for a year, I ran them. I put him through the ringer. I'm like, you got to wait. He was also Latino, Bolivian. And we were like, you know, my mom, like, you got to wait to get married. I mean, and she wasn't super strict. I guess she was just worried about what could happen. If you mm-hmm. start different people, you know, the things that people worry about and our parents worry about. And I was just like, oh, my God, if I marry this person and the sex is bad and I'm stuck forever. <laughs> like, that's a real thing. Like, I was the only <laughs> And then I would tell him, he's like, yeah, I feel the same, you know, like, or you're like 17 and he proposed to me when I was 19. And I was just like, I, I can't do this. Like, I can't like, so there, but there was so much like, you know, my bad person now that I did it, you know, so all the things, even though, you know, my family was spiritual, we did Olympias, things like that. It was still, there was still like Catholic energy about it, mm-hmm. especially towards women. Cause there's a double standard, like, you know. Um, but I have to ask, how does your family, does your family know about the work you do? And what do they think, if you don't mind asking? And if it's off limits? Yeah. No, no, it's not at all. No, I'm happy to share. Yeah, they know absolutely what I do. Um, my parents are very supportive, of course. My um, mom is super into it. I think they're still very religious, but my my mom still is very interested in what I'm doing and is like, what is this? What is that? Tell me about tarot. Tell me about all these things. I sent her ritual boxes from Sage. So she's into it. My dad will ask me how the business and finances of what I do are going, but he doesn't get into the witchcraft or anything, um, which I think is funny. He, I think he has to separate it. He needs to keep, you know, <laughs> himself how he thinks about me pure (laughs) I'm still like a little baby I mean I'm married and I you know obviously having sex and I think in his mind I'm still just like this little girl like mijita like you know just a little one and uh, the rest of my family though is not so happy about it my aunt who's super religious who lives in Texas is tells my mom um, that she's afraid that I'm a witch and that they're praying for me that I'm going to the dark side and all of these other things. So I just, I laugh it off. I don't care. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. And uh, I think it's a little funny at this point, especially because I'm so successful and have a career in a book and, and am really established in this field and industry. Now, if I were just dabbling, I would probably be a little bit more self-conscious about be like, my family doesn't accept me. Like, I don't give a shit. Exactly. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Let's give you some snaps for that. So true. Cause some of my, when I started dating my husband, um, my now husband, uh, people were like, but he's an atheist, doesn't believe what you do. I'm like, I care. As long as he's not mean about it, trying to convince me mm-hmm. not supportive. He's very supportive. He cooks for one of my retreats and when I the one in Central PA. And I don't need him at this stage of the game. I don't need him to be on board, right? With my 
perspective on life as long as he's respect, you know, like respects me. And we have similar values, social justice, many others. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, I don't care. Like, as long as he's kind and respectful and supportive. Um, hey, you know, and he never tried. And we said, let's accept each other the way we are. We've already walked the earth many decades by the time we met. Um, and people are like, how can you? I'm like, I'm good now. If maybe we were going to have kids, they would be a different story because I want my kids to be raised spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. How about your partner, your husband? Um, he same kind of thing. I mean, he's definitely not an atheist, but it's not. There's not, you know, a very strong belief about anything spiritual in that sense. He's very accepting, very curious about what I do. Um, thinks it's like I think it's like cute, you know. <laughs> He'll sit down and pull cards with me. Um, I'll tell him about astrology and you know tell him about the things going on in his chart. But um, the same, he's very accepting very generous with what he doesn't understand and asking questions. Um, but I don't need to convert him. You know, I don't need him to be like aligning his chakras with me and like <laughs> burning incense and whatever, like we'll go on plant medicine journeys together and that's great. And we'll have different associations with the experience, whether it's, you know, it's inherently spiritual it is as it is, but I'm the same. I don't need him to be where I am. I just need him to accept me and I accept where he is. And I think, I think that's something that a lot of people, especially now on dating apps and all of these things, they have such high, high standards in terms of these boxes that they need people to fit in. And it's like, it shouldn't matter, you know, as long as you're not, you know, killing babies on the side or like puppies or doing something terrible, it doesn't matter if if your political views don't align, if your religious views don't align, you have to respect each other and allow each other to have space and come together with those gaps between beliefs with love and acceptance and respect. Absolutely. And I think that also I'm with you hundred percent. I would say though, I would add not though, but add that it also begs the question or invites us into our own healing so we can be in a place to be able not to be triggered by things mm-hmm. you know because yeah. like we've driven and where we live it's like a um, nature reserve but it's in a city so it's like city 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 buildings then you turn suddenly you're in nature and you're like what's going on and then if you drive you know maybe 10 uh, i don't know six seven blocks you're out of it it's like this little hidden gem right and so i'm like hey instead of going left to go home I said, we haven't seen the fox that lives here in a long time. We were driving home at night. I go, instead of making a left, let's make a right. I have a feeling that we might bump into the fox. And he's like, really, you think the box, the fox is going to jump in front of the car, do a little dance for us? I'm like, I don't know. But so he's like, fine. And he turns right. And the fox jumps out right in front of the light, looks at us, is like, yeah, and then jumps into the bush. And we're laughing. And when we were, because... Uh, I was in New York my whole life and now I'm in Central PA and it's very different for me. Um, He was like getting the leaves together. And I'm like, don't leave that overnight. A snake could come in and live there. And I don't know that because I'm not, (laughs) you know, created leaf piles. I didn't like in New York. Yeah. We just put a couple and jump in. That's it. But it's not like here where there's like tons of leaves. He's like, that's doesn't, you don't know. And the next day I'm like, seriously, don't put your hands in there. And he goes to put his hands without a glove and a snake comes out. So he's like, why can't you say there's a million dollars in the leaves? Like, why can't you say that? And I'm like, what's really there? Okay. How it works. (laughs) He says, 
you know, I don't want to leave in that, but I don't care. I just, but I love that you brought that up because personally, since COVID, a lot of my community and it's diverse and it's mixed, but definitely a lot of Latinos and a lot of BIPOC. But I would say the Latinos were going through a lot, the women, because they were now kind of going, stepping into their feminine, reclaiming bruja, reclaiming medicine woman. And for all of you listening out there, maybe this is, you know, something that can hits home for you, resonates, that a lot of folks were thinking of getting divorced because they were awakening just now. Like they're like, oh, now I'm awakening. And the partner's like, I want to go to church. And there was like all this dissonance and like upset. Well, I need a spiritual person. I need this. And I'm like, so people went through that. And I mean, every case is different. For some people, it could be it was a long time coming, the divorce. But I would say, folks, you know, I hope that Morgan and I are inspiring you in some way to look beyond the narrow perspective. Because, like, I've dated the, the shaman who's cheated. Mm-hmm. You dated. think that spiritual man is going to be so enlightened? The most abuse. Hello. Okay. Not every. This is a blanket statement, but I've had the same experience. Yes. And then they know that women are, have been awakening at a faster pace for a long time now. So the manipulative spiritual guys will come in and say, exactly your aura, the vibes. I got to look at your chart. Let's do your numbers, all the things. Right. So please, the grass isn't always greener. And I would say this, you know, uh, my husband's now done five of my retreats cooking, right? And he's the only male. And all the women who are there is 13, 14, 15 women. And they're like, he's like the divine masculine. He doesn't know it. I'm like, exactly. Right. And he like serves the women the food. I think our dishwasher broke down. He didn't even tell me. He just washed the dishes. Because I was busy guiding the circle, right? And when the women were like, we would have helped. And he's like, no, no, you're here to rest. Right. And so he finally said to me, I think, he goes, I think you're right. I am spiritual in my own terms. He goes, I care about the world. I want to leave the place a better. I want to leave the earth better than I found it. I believe in social justice. You know, no one is free unless everybody's free. And he said, I just don't believe in astrology and numerology and all these things, in particular gods. He's like, but I do believe that. Like he says, I'm an empath, but he's like, I'm not spiritual, but I'm like, okay. So it's okay. you know, and so I'm like, babe, whatever you think, I love you and you're amazing. But I love that. And that's very cool that you're also just in flow. And sometimes people who don't have the same exact beliefs bring apart, right? A piece of the puzzle. Like I'm a Taurus, but I'll tell you, I forget to eat. Oh, you are too? I always forget to eat lunch. Always. They it's say annoying. to eat lunch is annoying to me. What? What to eat say? lunch is annoying to me. I'm like in the flow. I'm working. I'm like on this vibe. And then it's like, I can't think anymore. And it's 3 p.m. and I haven't eaten. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I added to my schedule now. I have added it to my schedule. Smart. He's he's the one who thinks about food. He prepares it. When I'm teaching like a long certification on the weekend, I'm like, oh, we got to prepare the food so I'm not running around. And he's like, I got you. I'll make a salad, grilled chicken or whatever it is. And so he's the one who's like, take a rest now. Let's go take a walk. Cause I, cause when you love your work and you're in flow, you know, time passed, you know what's happening. And, and you know, I'm like, and he's like, let's go. And I'm like, let's do the walk. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that, that him not being in the ethers or the multidimensional spaces, yeah. being very anchored into the earth, into practical ways supports me. So yeah, I agree. My husband's a triple Capricorn. And so he's, 
very much the provider, the anchor, the the rock that I tie my flag to or my kite and go off. But um, there are so many things that I've noticed to mirror or to to echo what you're saying that he is the divine masculine and it doesn't have to be in this like super expressed. He's going to start leading like male retreats and all of these things and lead the men like he just is. He's just doing it on his own. It's for him. It's for us. It's for our family. It's for the people that he loves around him. And he doesn't need to make it his identity. It's just who he is. And I think that a lot of women don't see this person who knows their sun, moon rising, who knows their, you know, human design, who knows anything about chakras, like all of this. And they're like, nope. And it's like, you might need to give those people a chance because you're cutting someone out who could come to where you are on their own terms in their own way without having to be dragged out and made to read cards or whatever it is. I love that so much. And I love the way you shared that. And my husband's a Virgo, by the way. So we both married like mm-hmm. Earth. The flexibility. And- I'm like, yes, please, all day. Like, I don't need that Aries, insane, passionate. I've anger, been there. No, thank you. Like, no. When I was younger, I was like, ooh, this is exciting. Like, no, it's traumatizing. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. He cheated before our wedding, by the way. It's fiance. So, yes. And now I look at my husband, like, in our house or outside in the garden or we're doing something, preparing to have people over. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy this person and that I didn't do that. Okay. I was saved. Yeah. Because uh, it was before the wedding, so I canceled it. But you're totally right. And I love that you brought that up. And also, I would say, you know, as a Taurus, embodying the goddess, embodying the the um, the wisdom of the earth, right? Like, we need peace. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been very clear about, you know, what I like to do. Like, I do improv. I go perform on the weekend. I do think I love to dance. And my home needs to have peace for me to be free to do all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I realized that I was seeking things that didn't feel peaceful because I associated that with exciting. And when I met my husband and my whole, like my entire body was just like, and I met him at a time when I had a one-way ticket to Bali. I had no intentions of staying in Denver. Um, I had like, nope, written on my forehead. I hadn't had sex with anyone in maybe eight to 10 months. I was just like healing, like being within myself. And when I met him, I just couldn't stop saying yes. And I was like, this feels so good, but it's not, it's like, it's not in the plan, you know? Um, But eventually I just got to this place where I was like, I mean, eventually I see, I mean, two weeks in, I was like, this is the man I'm going to marry. And I never said that about the person who I was with for five years prior. (laughs) Uh, Love that so much. Yeah. You just, I mean, it's so cliche, but like when you know, you know, when your body And like, I read this much later after I had broken up with my previous ex before I met my husband, but, um, when the body and you meet someone and your body goes into these like spikes of energy and you get butterflies and your heart starts racing, like that's your body saying like, this is trauma, but we're told to be like, Ooh, I have butterflies. Like he must be the one, like, no, your body is like recalling something that feels like trauma. And when I met him, it was like, silent and calm and peaceful and yeah like yes I was excited and once we started really dating like I couldn't sleep at night and like couldn't eat couldn't think couldn't work all of these things happened but it wasn't that initial meeting and I look back on that so often I'm like my body was like girl 
Yes. Oh my God, so good, so good, so good. Um, as someone who's an earth sign, but really like I don't, I don't love to cook. I have to admit, I don't. I, I'll cook, and when I cook, it's good. But it's not like I said. I don't think about food a lot, like when it's in front of me. But he loves it. I knew when we went food shopping. <laughs> he dragged me to like three places because you know Virgo, and I was like, and that I didn't. I wasn't kvetching. Like there's other things I could be doing that I love more, right? Because <laughs> I'm like that too sometimes. I mean, I try, but there's things that like my and I have a lot of Gemini too, so I'm like caught up with these ideas that I, with things that I want to do. That I was like, oh, the fact that like we're like building a home and that like we're planning meals or we're doing like this really grounded nested stuff and I'm not bored, we good. And it Mm -hmm. feels, you know, and it feels Uh good. Um, I'm just so curious because I'm looking at your, what is your rising? I'm Aquarius rising Gemini moon. I was like, moon and Gemini too. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. (laughs) We were attracted in that way you know so many how did you um I think how did you you knew you were a witch you started to do go into the healing after this big trauma then you started diving deep into Reiki having these awakenings how did you or when did you decide to become more public right because it's a thing right we can own it doing it we live the lifestyle but it doesn't necessarily mean that come out publicly in some sort of work you know something that people see Like, when did you step into creating something for the world to see? Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a choice. And it was something that I think I uh, grappled with for some time because of my family, because I was worried about what people would think. Um, I moved to Spain at 27 for almost two years. And that was really when I felt personal freedom. I was detached from where I grew up, from my country, from my friends, from my family, from everybody. I moved somewhere where I didn't know anybody. I could, I don't want to say I could be anyone I wanted, but I could just finally be me without the preconceptions and without, you know, people who I grew up with thinking about me in a certain way. I could just explore these different parts of myself that I had kind of damned off. Um, And that was really when everything exploded. And when I moved back from Spain, I started working for a company writing my first paid writing work before I was working in fashion and marketing and was still writing because I was writing copy and stuff, but I was never writing like publicly. And when I started writing for them, it was this traditional Chinese medicine company, very focused on energy and energetics and healing And that was when I was really like, my name is on these articles and I am stepping into the fact that I know this, I live this, I believe this, I trust this. And that led into starting my first company at 30, Spirit Guides Magazine. And I jumped off the cliff at that point. I was entirely unattached to what people would think and... While it did take some like, you know, exercise, like growing my muscles and posting and putting things out there, I was so excited to be part of something that I believed in so much that I was also creating from the ground up that I was like, I don't care. Like if you people from high school that I've not talked to in 10 years, 15 years, like care, like it doesn't matter to me, you know, my inner circle was supportive. My family was supportive, my inner, my, you know, immediate family at least. 
And, um, that was really when I was just like, the cloak is off (laughs) or like the mask is off. The cloak is on. (laughs) I have a magic wand in my hand. I have crystals everywhere and I just don't care. And it was so liberating. But in that liberation, I realized that I gave people permission around me to do the same by seeing me step into that and just finally being like, I'm out here and I'm weird and I'm a witch and I don't care what you think. And like, isn't this so cool? Um, Before witchcraft really was trendy, it was scary to put yourself out there like that. But I got so much positive feedback from people that I would never have expected that I was like, okay, this is your permission slip to go do whatever it is that you want to do that you felt a little nervous or self-conscious or not totally there yet. Like if it's a half-baked idea, like put it out there and see what works. Like you're never going to be there. You're never going to be healed. You're never going to be at your mountaintop, at your pinnacle ready to be like, okay, now I have everything in line and let's do it. Like you have to do it when you're scared. If you don't do it when you're scared, you're not going to do it. And I think that was something that was really resonant at that time in my life. And that transition from 20s to 30s, you're going through your Saturn return. There's all of the societal pressure too, that like you have to have your life figured out. And like when my friends were getting married and having babies, I moved to Spain with a backpack and a dream, you know? So I was already breaking the mold. I was like, who cares at this point? <laughs> like, let's see where it goes. And that was, that was true freedom. I love that so much. And how did you step into writing the book? Um, so with my previous business partner, we had a big platform. We had a digital magazine, a very popular podcast. We ran retreats. We had a huge membership community. We were out there, um, and the book deal landed in our inbox and the publisher was like, Hey, we have this idea. We've already kind of like fleshed out, you know, the direction that we want it to go. Do you two want to write it together? And we were like, hell yeah. And then they gave us the deadline, which was 90 days, (laughs) which was like an insane amount of time to finish a book. Um, But we did it and it came out and it was beautiful, but it came out in 2020. So there was like no fanfare around what I was expecting a book launch to be like. You know, I have this thing in my head, of course, maybe watching too much Sex in the City growing up, like this swanky party and a stack of books where we're signing and schmoozing everybody but um it was quite the opposite I was just in my pjs (laughs) on my couch (laughs) I know I know because 2020 was tough but that's amazing and how did it yeah I had an experience like that and I decided not to move forward it it was it was last year and it didn't feel right at that moment Mm -hmm. so I feel like you manifested one that was in alignment with you for me I was excited at first and then I was like Um, so it's beautiful that happened. Are you planning on writing more? I am. I have this book living in my, in my head, in my body right now that I really want to start working on. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of health issues recently. I had surgery last December to remove a lot of fibroids from my uterus, from my womb, um, along with cysts and endometriosis. So I've been dealing with a lot of sacral chakra This is a lot of my ancestral healing too, because it runs in my family. Um, So while my health has been my highest priority, it's coming for sure. This book is like 
percolating right now. It's it's just talking to me every day. So I know it's going to be coming soon. And I'm sorry you've been through that. I actually um, had a major surgery right before I went full-time in my business online, like full-time online, um, 2012 to, I had 25 boards. Wow. Yeah. I was like a six month pregnancy, but that was it. I didn't have the other stuff, but that's not fun. No, it's not fun. I can't believe you had to, we have so many parallel lives. No. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about it a lot because a lot of women are dealing with something similar, whether it be cysts or endometriosis or fibroids. And there's really not a lot of research. There's not a lot of people talking about this. There's there's not a lot of solutions. Um, and in terms of fertility, it's, it's detrimental. Um, but beyond even being fertile, I just want to be healthy. And I want to understand why my source of power, which is my womb, um, is in so much disalignment and growing something so toxic and reset that, you know, so it's been a mission of mine for, I mean, I've been experiencing this by the time I got surgery, I had already been suffering for like five years. So, um, now that surgery is done, I'm still working on healing and a fibroid is back. And so I'm really understanding the body keeps the score. This book is so incredible and blowing my mind. And of course, but, um, I've been using my womb as storage. And I think so many of us do that. We store things emotional in our bodies and traditional Chinese medicine is known about this for millennia, but your body becomes this pit of mm. toxicity and emotions and unrequited everything. Um, and I really want to bring awareness to this for people because it could manifest at any type of thing. I'm not saying that Every woman who doesn't honor her emotions is going to experience fibroids or issues with the womb, but it will go somewhere and for men as well and everywhere in between. Like if you have something in your life that you're not talking about, you're not addressing, you're not looking at, it's going to grow and it's going to grow inside your body and not saying that everyone's going to grow a tumor, but it's going to be something and you're going to become into dis-ease and that is something that I think our society living the way that we do is experiencing more than anyone at any time who has been alive human wise. I agree with you. And on top of that, that there are, there's like hormones, fake hormones in food and makeup. Everything. And so when I started to do research on that and, and thank you for sharing. And um, it's something that we do have to talk more about because when I started doing research, I was in Argentina visiting family in 2010 when I got all this pain. So here I am going back. I hadn't been there in a long time. And suddenly I'm there and I'm going to doctors. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be on vacation, seeing family. I haven't seen it in a long time. And here and they're like, Dios mío, como estás bien? They're like, how are you okay? How are you walking? At one point, one of them said, I wanted to do um, robot therapy. Or what was it? Robot surgery or robotic yeah. surgery? <clears throat> they're like, you're 70% tumor from right to left hip. Yeah. I'd so hard when somebody told me that I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I was crying. And I was thinking, you know, I've been holding circles for so long. Cause I started, I started in 89 for a year, but it was a different format. It was more like channeling. And then in 1999, it was more inclusive, like in my apartment. Um, and I did it for free for years. And it, so it's like a way of life. I never saw what I do as like a business till like right the last 12 years, um, 13 years really. And because I was like, I don't want that. 
I want something a little more steady. I'm alone in New York. I've got to do this. I'll do it on the side and I'll live my life. But I remember that they scared me. They're like, you can't do this. And no one had answers. Everybody's like, we need to give you a hysterectomy. And I was like, no, at that point, I was like, let me try to have a baby. Like, can I, you know, and I didn't meet my partner early enough. And, you know, there was time that ran out there for me. But what I would say is that I remember being in Argentina crying late night on my laptop. And there was something that stood out for me. And maybe this is not your experience, but just for anybody to listen out there, my liver enzymes kept being high, right? And my doctors, and it happened when I had a horrible corporate job in 2009. So I didn't have fibroids before then. I didn't have painful periods. I had cysts here and there, and then they left. And suddenly I'm working 14 hour days. I'm getting yelled at. I gave up belly dancing. I gave up a lot of things that I love. So I performed. I used to dance a lot. And I, the doctor was like, you know, you have to, are you drinking? And I'm like, I don't drink. They're like, I don't do drugs. I don't drink. And they're like, how are your liver enzymes high? I did not know at, the, at that time that Tylenol and a couple of things that I was taking for allergies were affecting my liver. Mm. And no doctor said, they just went, don't drink, don't do this. And I'm like, I don't, but they didn't go further. When I found out, I stopped taking the things for the allergy and trying to find more natural ways. Um, but there I was in Argentina crying in a hotel room and I was just Googling and I just said, oh God, I need to find something. Spirit, help me, guide me. And what I found was Chinese medicine. And one of the things that it said was that the liver enzymes when they're high, they don't properly clear out estrogen mm -hmm. and it brings it back into the system, which helps the tumor grow. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. So if a doctor had paid attention to the fact that my liver enzymes were high and tried to help me lower them or find the reason, because I never had them before that high, it helped me. And or I would have known how, what to do. Maybe these things would not have grown as much. Of course, speak my truth and you know, and we are wounded in this society that is mostly patriarchal and we're still being oppressed. So all those oppression is independent as we are and powerful, empowered women. There's still hits like I was saying in New York, sexual harassment was so rampant. Like I've been attacked, you know, I've been through things and I stored it there, I'm sure. But when I started to do like since I've had surgery and I started to do things where I'm very honored, honorable, of honoring my liver, my liver is healthy. It is not, does not have high liver enzymes. So we have to look at the whole system, you know? And if there's something else that's off to maybe look to see how it's affecting. So yeah, I did want to share that and and how we can do that. Are you working with specific healers or specific like tools that anybody who's listening might explore? Yeah, so I've gotten really deep into all the things. My liver enzymes were really high. My estrogen was like triple what it was supposed to be when I first started getting testing um, in February of last year of 2020. And it was only when I really started addressing the body as a whole, not seeing a specialist, you know, because you go to a gynecologist and they just see this little zone. Um, and it was when I started working with functional medicine that I really understood like what my blood was doing, what I was eating was impacting. I mean, everything that we put on our bodies, like you were saying, the xenoestrogens that are in 
cleaning products and makeup and detergents and um, some beverages. I mean, even soy, like all of these things you have to understand. And everybody's different. Everybody's going to metabolize and, and go through these things differently. But I think what we can all agree on is that our society does not <laughs> promote health. Um, we promote satisfaction, right? We want to eat what we want. We want to feel good about eating, but we don't want to actually think about what we, if what we eat makes us feel good. So between lifestyle, between diet, all of these things, um, castor oil packs. I mean, I think a lot of it is energetics too. Speaking my mind, like the throat is connected to the cervix, like everything is one. And when you're living in a, in an environment that doesn't allow you to be, or puts more stress on you, that's when things really get out of control. And that's what I experienced in the past couple years since 2020. Um, I had a lot of emotional things going on in my life that became very stressful that that's when my health just blew up. Like what was manageable before was still not okay. It wasn't good, became chronic and put me in the ER. And then that put me on the fast track to surgery. So it was an accumulation. Like, I think what we don't understand about a lot of these things, it's not what you're doing yesterday. It's what you've been doing for the past 10, 15, 20 years. It accumulates in your body and your mind and your emotional storage and your physical storage, and you create a toxic environment. And it's, it's everyday matters. That's why I think AA talks a lot about, you know, take it day by day. And it's the same with all life. Like if we just treated everything like today, I'm going to do everything in alignment with my body, honoring my body, honoring my emotions, honoring my energy. And then tomorrow I'll deal with however tomorrow happens. But when we don't think about this accumulation, we try to make change and we don't see it happening quick enough. So we're like, well, this doesn't matter anyways. I'm just going to revert back to what I was doing. And I think that's when we're on the precipice of healing, but we become jaded by the fact that, you know, we have this need and desire for instant satisfaction, instant gratification. We have social media, we have Amazon shipping same day, like all of these things, we want them to happen now. And nature doesn't work like that. And you can't always be blooming and you can't expect things to be out of sync and you have to give it time. And I think that's been the hardest pill for me to swallow. I've been swallowing a lot of pills lately, <laughs> physically. Oh, but I think the fact that time and honoring my body is what is needed most, in addition to working with people who look at the system as a whole, um, is really where I'm going to see things shift. Thank you for that. I'm so glad that we went into this direction, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about honoring our bodies. We've talked about honoring relationships. And um, and it's so important. And it isn't overnight. It really isn't. And interesting, too, that you're talking. I know about the throat connection, right, and the feminine organs connection. Um, you know, I have a thyroid condition now. Mm -hmm. You know, it happened, like, later recently. And balancing it out normally, I could do it for a while until then I had to go. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't doing it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm speaking my truth. I'm not holding back. I'm doing it. And and it's interesting because I would imagine you are somebody who does speak your truth, right? And I did too. But maybe that's where I had to go deeper. I'm like, what what haven't I? Like, because uh -huh. I've been, you know, my dad was very Matista. And I was telling him off when I was five, right? Um, but there, And I'd be like, you can't do that. You don't own me, you know. But at the same time, I did. Um, 
Um, he told me he owned me and owned the clothes on my back. So I took off my clothes, left it on his feet. I was naked and I walked away. I was like five or six. It's like, you don't own me. I'm a person. But um, but still, even being like blunt like that, I'm like, well, I still stored. And it's true because I didn't talk about my attacks. I didn't report my attacker. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't that sexual harassment at work. I just I couldn't talk about it. I tried to get away from it or leave the job. Or the things, you know, I was like, this is par for the course as women. I'm going to do protection work and, you know, all this stuff that I did but it, and try to take care of myself. But at the same time, this is the energy in which we're coming up mm-hmm. where intelligence is still questioned. Yeah. Where we're still objectified. Where we're still, you know, that's still the battle, even though we're creating our, you know, we're t- you're taking care of your part of the garden. I'm doing my part. We're all doing our part. But you know, the overarching patriarchy is still there. We're stabbing it until it goes away. Uh, it, it curls up and withers and transforms, but it's still happening. I have a question for you because I feel like we can talk for a long time about so many things. Um, Morgan, what what are some of the ancestral patterns that you needed to heal in order to be who you are today and do what you do today? The ancestral pattern that I'm healing and continuing to heal is the passive wife. The passive woman, the woman who doesn't speak up, who takes her husband's name. My grandma is Mrs. Javier Garza on her bank statements. And um, I think it's that machismo Latino culture that <laughs> just <laughs> oppresses. And um, I've watched my grandma go through that her whole life. And it always made me so angry and I didn't understand it because my parents were the opposite and my mom didn't change her name and she's the primary breadwinner and she always has been. And it's a very different dynamic in my house. My dad's the one who cooks. And I just, I was like, why is this happening to you, grandma? Like, you're amazing. You raised this whole family, all these things. So I was very passive growing up until I graduated high school. And at that point, my pendulum kind of swung the other way and I had a lot of sexual partners and I partied a lot and I said whatever the fuck I wanted to whoever would listen. Um, and so while that wasn't right either, I'm, I know that at this point that my pendulum has come more into the middle where I can still speak my mind in respect. I can still, you know, have opinions about things and not have to want to tear people down and just be with myself in that. Um, but that passive woman is what I'm healing for my family. And I know that to be true. Mm, I love that so much. And it's, it's reality. And, and even in, for us, like, you know, calladita te ves más bonita, right? Mm-hmm. Prettier when you are quiet. Yeah. And I- you know, still, yeah. but still, um, what are some of the ancestral gifts you've leaned into or you're leaning into? The healing, the speaking, the writing, um, that same grandmother is always wanted to be a writer. She was a teacher and my other grandmother, my mom's mom is, was very, um, much into community. She was very philanthropic. She, adopted children and had her own children. And I know that that sense of 
love and bringing people together. And then my other grandmother's um, just desire to do so much more than she was socially and culturally able to is what I am carrying forward. And she tells me this all the time, which is beautiful. But even further back on my uh, dad's side, there was a curandero in Mexico. And I know that I'm pulling from that and the herbalism and the interest in natural healing. And um, while I never met him, he was many generations ahead of me. I can feel that guidance knowing that he existed. And what I think about a lot too is, is the unknown ancestors, the people that we don't talk about anymore because the tree is so massive. Thousands and hundreds of thousands of people had to be in love or whatever it was to bring us to these bodies today. And I oftentimes think about what is out there. And I ask, what who is guiding me that I didn't know that that I would like to connect with? Because it's so easy to connect with people that you either knew or had photos of or, or heard stories about, right? But these people who get lost to history and time because we don't have that capacity to hold that much information unless you had a family recorder of, of the tree who has, you know, everybody written down for centuries. And I think that is also um, something that I would like to work with more to, to know more than just my immediate knowledge and dive into these roots of these thousands and thousands of people who made love to make me. I love that so much. That is so beautiful. Morgan, how can people follow you, um, join your app? Um, yeah, tell us. Yeah, so you can find everything on for Saged is sagedapp.com. So it's Sage with a D. And we have um, Way of the Witch, which is, of course, our quarterly coven, which Vanessa was a, a guest witch for. And then we have the app and then we have ritual boxes. So there's so many things that you can participate in that. And the app is free. And you can get a daily ritual and all of those things to start your spiritual journey or enhance it or wherever you are, we'll meet you there. And then personally, you can find everything else on morgangarza.com. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been so good. I love it. I love it. Before we go, um, I feel like I to ask, is there anything else on your heart that you want to share with um, our audience? Permission granted. You have permission to do what it is that that keeps you up at night, that you can't stop thinking about, that makes your heart race. Um, so often we think we need permission from someone else and it's really, we just need to give ourselves permission. So if you're waiting for someone to give you permission, you have infin infinite permission to do what lights your soul up. Mm, that feels so good. I love it. Infinite permission. Thank you, Morgan. Making it rain. Permission slips on you. <laughs> permission slips. I love it. Gracias. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Follow Morgan. She's amazing. Get into the community. It's lovely. It's enriching. It's inspiring. And I'll see you all soon. Gracias. Bye-bye. Ciao. Adios.